Welcome to the Meta View Podcast. Hear these non-fungible conversations. They will yield you great knowledge and perspective. But beware, they might also make your brain go boom. So watch your step, because this rabbit hole goes deep. Good luck and have fun. Welcome, dear listeners, to the 27th episode of the MetaView podcast. Today we have Brendan Norgard, who is a researcher, writer, and founder. I found him while researching the MetaModern and GameB spaces, both of which he plays a role in. Many moons passed, and our paths finally crossed, and twice in 24 hours, actually. First, it turned out uh, he's facilitating this uh, MetaModern Hackers Collective, to which... Uh, Hansi Freinacht added me, and then next morning someone added him to this uh, Meta Crisis DAO Telegram group, and you could say we were meant to meet. Yeah, as I often say, Meta Game is uh, inspired partly by Meta Modernism and partly by Game B, and this man is in both uh, camps and a founder of the Enlightened Worldview project. So honestly, could you think of a better guest for the MetaView podcast? I kind of doubt it, but if you do, please DM me on Twitter or Telegram at PETH, that's P-E-T-H-E-T-H. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Without further ado. Okay, yes, well, I'm up to some interesting stuff with this uh, enlightened worldview project that I'm working on, you know? So, and what that means is that we want to promote enlightenment and that's this like new enlightenment where the first enlightenment in the western world was based on reason and evidence and uh, helping people get away from uh, traditional dogmas and then also this, there's like a convergence that that can have with the eastern enlightenment of mindfulness and recognizing the interrelations and interconnections and uh, working toward you know inner peace and uh, peace in society okay so working like okay we want a new enlightenment and what we're trying to do is to implement something close to what is given in the the Hansi Freinach books the uh the listening society and also the uh the second book the the Nordic ideology looking at how can we implement something like this to promote areas of public life that will give people a higher quality of life and to strengthen communities, strengthen democracy, you know, give people this uh, inner awareness and mindfulness, uh, help people sort out fact from fiction in the news uh, and current events. Um, and also, you know, this uh, community trust building and strengthening communities, giving people a sense of meaning in life and also helping people have uh, like sovereignty from forces of oppression. So these are all important areas of life that we want to promote. And the idea is that there could be like institutions to do this. Now, within the Hansi uh, Freinach books, they are uh, leaning on like government, like new governmental ministries. And we're thinking, okay, how can we do this given the adjacent possible? And probably the best way would be to, to leverage civil society. So, uh, and then also 
to think that we can maybe kind of coordinate this through software development to help people, encourage people to come together, have like leadership structures, people who are adept at these different areas of life, you know, like uh, people who are uh, experts at uh, democracy building. Um, and then you would imagine there's probably not exactly the same people who are experts at everything. So there's a separation of concerns. So some people would be like sense-making experts, right? And some people would be uh, inner awareness, mindfulness, uh, authentic relating experts. So, so in every city, we would think, okay, so there's going to be regular events happening where people are encouraged to come together and work on these skills. And that there would be like you know, not only in physical spaces, but woven together with the online communities. But I want to I want to focus on in-person events and having these happen regularly and having them be uh, visible, uh, transparent so that, that people would know where they are and be a part of that and have the leadership to work with the rank and file members to promote these areas uh, and have it be understandable and engaging and inspiring to people, who, especially those who don't have a uh, uh, background and all of this, but then they would get something out of it and they would get, have a higher quality of life through that. There would be value would be added to their lives, including people who are, you know, struggling or, or have their very busy lives. They would still have this, you know, there's a way to do that that is uh, entertaining to people. And then they were also getting that, you know, sense making capabilities through it and the inner awareness capabilities and also like the, the meaning and spirituality through being a part of these these communities and these these circles of and um, so I was thinking okay how can we coordinate this through through software that would encourage people to come together it'd be like tools for for adults you know so it's based on the building model as well which is the community development self cultivation and inner and uh, lifelong learning all working in conjunction and hand in hand you know so based on that uh, that model given in uh, not only the Okay, so I mentioned the, the Hansi Freinach book, but also, you know, the books by uh, Leonard Rachel Anderson and, uh, and Thomas Bjorkman talking about Bildung. So that's what we're trying to do. All right. That sounds great. And is this in any way related to the Metamodern Hackers Collective? That's correct, yes. So Daniel Gertz and Emil Anerfries uh, had, uh, you know, there's some people who are uh, interested and connected to their work and some of whom are technology-based people or, you know, hackers. And so the idea was to have a collective to work on that. That would be like, okay, so probably that general question of how to implement anything close to these uh, ideas given in those Hansi Freinach books through technology. What is that connection? How can you do some sort of software development to improve the societies and communities, to work on those uh, areas of public life, to implement the, the six forms of politics, the inner development dimensions of depth, code, state. And so those are inner development dimensions that are given in the Hansi Freinach books, you know, and uh, they come together in, in what is called the effective value meme so that there you know just this idea that, that you could actually have software development to coordinate to promote that so there's a few of us in this uh meta modern hackers collective so we have people like jim rutt and uh, a few others and we're trying to solicit ideas we're trying to come up with that um we, we a lot of people do come 
to these events with good ideas. We're looking at project coordination. We're looking at the landscape of what's out there. And so a lot of these projects, and I've also been involved with the Collaborative Technology Alliance. So that's okay looking at, there's a lot of these platforms that are out there. There's a, there's a tech stack looking at uh, for decentralization or Web3. And uh, how, how do these pieces of the puzzle come together? How can people coordinate? rather than, uh, you know, try to out-platform each other. You know, last year, Hansi Franak published a, an article about how, okay, so if you're always trying to out-platform your friends, I have a better platform than you, how can we essentially find the unified semantics so that these different platforms can coordinate with each other and be, or be interoperable with each other or, or recognize how they, how they are within the same tech stack like maybe one platform is working on one level of the stack and then another one is at a different level and then they essentially can have vertical integration so we're looking at a lot of things like that yeah protocolization and interoperability big reasons why i love uh, web3 and it's pretty much how we are building metagame so the profiles that we build on top of ceramic they can be integrated across different platforms using the same uh, data schema so that profiles can be completely interoperable across different communities and projects and it's the same way that the uh, quest chains are built so the questions we are using for the onboarding paths or like the courses and anybody can create their own uh, these uh, quest sequences but uh, they can also be integrated across different uh, platforms uh, using different uis so people can create one inside metagame and have it accessible through there but at the same time, they can also integrate it wherever else they want. So, yeah, I love that you're thinking in the same direction. Yeah, so the, the difficult thing, though, is uh, trying to find investment for a lot of these projects. So I think I have a project that is, uh, you know, I think it would pr provide people with a higher quality of life. And it would use technology, would probably not centrally, like, be focused on technology while it's being used because the idea is to coordinate how to get people together into these circles for adult lifelong learning and the reason I'm focused on the adult lifelong learning is because I see so many people working on education for child childhood or adolescence and this seems to be an important niche that isn't uh, being met really as much, especially in terms of, okay, how do we bring people together in physical spaces, which is something I saw that was kind of lacking even before the pandemic. And then it was like, okay, everyone's got to stay home. And all right, well, and then the pandemic ended and people still are staying home a lot, you know, and there isn't a lot of direct interaction. People are on, we're on our screens too much. So maybe, maybe that would be a part of these community circles. Like maybe people would be interacting with each other and using a phone while they're doing that to coordinate on what they're learning or what they're doing. But for the most part, it's direct hand-to-hand, eye-to-eye, face-to-face communication and connection that would be oriented toward things like sense-making and civic engagement and inner awareness. You know, that would promote those skills in a way that is entertaining and engaging, engaging to people. And something that they would be, you know, feel that they are getting this value add through that. So I would think, okay, if you're pr providing people with higher value somehow, then it's something that they would be willing to, to pay for, like through a subscription fee or something like that, or event fees. And then that would provide revenue for this platform that I'm looking at. So I'm also looking at it as 
like uh, an add-on that can be deployed to different platforms. There's platforms that are out there, some of which are under development, some of which are new. We have, for example, the uh, the, the Wico platform. You might have heard of that. That's the uh, where the Hansi Freinach MetaModern hacker, I'm sorry, MetaModern forum is now actually on Wico, Wico.io. And um, the uh, there's others like uh, the Hilo platform, which is associated with the uh, Holochain. And it is, uh, which I believe uh, Wico is also uh, associated with the uh, Holochain. So somewhere in the tech stack, or at least there's ideas to move these platforms into uh, Holochain eventually. Right now, they're still, I think, deployed as Web2 apps. But uh, Hilo is, I believe, uh, oriented toward projects that are for like regenerative agriculture, you know, more localized, bioregional uh, projects and stuff. And that's how they get the revenue. So uh, I would think when I'm looking at for this enlightened worldview app, it would it would essentially, you know, be oriented toward bringing people together for for these sort of uh, community circles, but it would be something that would be deployable to multiple platforms out there. So it wouldn't be an entirely new platform. But it, the idea is, okay, so how do, how do we get revenue for this or investments? And I haven't figured that out yet. Right. The hard part. So you want to turn the Enlightened Worldview project into a platform. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, it wouldn't be a standalone platform. What I'm looking at actually is uh, something like the Meetup app, which they have in a lot of countries. I guess you're in Croatia. They probably have the Meetup app there. And uh, But it would be so many of these platforms are disconnected from each other. You know, you have user um, user accounts and, and uh, like ways of communicating with each other and ways of doing things. But the idea is that there would be a, a meetup-like app that would then be deployable to one of these platforms or any one of them just at the same time, like like an add-on, you know. And that's that's what I'm kind of looking at for, uh, for Enlightened Worldview. And again, it would be essentially looking at how to implement something close to the uh, the Hansi Freinach uh, Nordic Ideology Moscow 2.0 model, but through civil society by looking at organizations that are out there doing one or more of these functions and, and tagging them and, and uh, looking at uh, making partnerships with them, uh, categorizing them based on which of these six forms of politics they have and what the uh, curriculum would be and what's, uh, where, where people are meeting and um, trying to, to essentially implement some of these uh, frameworks, you know, there's there's uh, frameworks for uh, social theory that can be deployed. So that can actually drive the inner workings of the system where uh, it can actually do something. But even though uh, the people who use it, they don't need to know that. You don't have to memorize all these social theories. It would just implement that and it would, it would provide for you this uh, way of, of promoting certain aspects of your private and public life that give you a higher quality of life and, and improve your communities and your relations to your community um, and strengthen that uh, with your, you know, your family, your friends, and uh, hopefully your nation, your world. Give us better uh, political and economic systems as well. If enough people do it, you know, the idea is like with the, uh, this model is that um, it's like kind of, it's kind of based on game B where like, if you provide people and communities with a higher quality of life or in certain ways, then it would want to replicate itself. It's a, it's a model that would kind of similar to how the, uh, original Montesquieu model of the three branches of government that one it replicated itself because it works so well and so this is ideas that with six new forms of politics six new branches which you know the, the six actually would would be more based on civil society but they would be there 
you know, every community would have that. And uh, with the separation of concerns, that shows that, like, you don't have any one organization that is thinking it's going to be all things to all people. So you have that in every community. You have, hopefully, these six that are providing, like, you know, this is one that's providing people with meaning and spirituality. And there's another one here that's providing sense-making capabilities. And, like, essentially, each of these six are in place in these major cities to where... People are getting higher quality of life and then, you know, we want to do, oh, we want to do that here as well in this city. And then, they're, you know, so that essentially gets to the point where uh, people have a higher ability to, a greater ability to not only make sense of the news, but also to have meaning in life, etc. And more civic engagement to where it would actually, people would want to have a better functioning political system and uh, economic system. And that would uh, provide game change. With this like uh, grassroots way with connecting the existing organizations and not, not organizations, but more so like communities who are already practicing this stuff, then trying to like build these uh, ministries. Uh, but uh, let's let's back up a bit. So we had uh, we had Hansi on the show, we had uh, Jim Rat on the show, but there's still probably listeners who have no idea what we're talking about. Like, what the fuck is Game B? What is metamodernism? So we want to give like a quick rundown of like. 30 seconds of uh, what is Game B, what is metamodernism, and how they compare. Yes, I will tell you what Game B is. Okay, so it's like a, life is a game. There's a game of life. We're all trying to succeed. We're all trying to thrive in this game of life. We don't have to compete with each other, but competition is a part of it. Okay, but it's not like, okay, where the strong are going to beat down everybody who isn't that strong. And so because when we have that, when we have so much, so much competition in life where people are just competing with each other constantly, then we're all going to lose at the game of life. So we want to set structure the rules of the political and economic system so that there is healthy competition, but we all have a better chance of succeeding and thriving at the game of life because life isn't all a dog-eat-dog world because then we all lose. So we all want to win at the game of life, and I think we can. We can restructure the rules so that more people have the ability to provide for themselves an adequate life and to protect their family and friends and to have a live in an adequate and happy life. Well said. Yeah, there's this idea of omni-win society. And uh, so that's kind of also related to metamodernism and they like uh, how do you write about uh, the game change? Yeah, and I, and I can I can define uh, metamodernism as well. Okay, so we have people with different ideas or different worldviews. And some people are, uh, you know, thinking in terms of, okay, rationality and progress and evidence and science. And we can call that modern, you know, because, okay, so centuries ago... People were much more traditional, much more pre-modern, believing in, you know, uh, holy books and, and uh, traditional religion. And a lot of people still do. Okay, so so those are important areas of life. Even in our modern world, we have, okay, pe people who are traditional, religious, and we have people who are modern, you know, secular, you know, rational science. And we also have people who are progressive and pluralistic. And, you know, that's the post-modern. You know, they want to respect people's rights and they don't like how much there is this, again, it's like there's so much competition that ends up trampling over people's rights. And, we, and people's inner feelings need to be respected. Okay, so we have that pre-modern, modern, and post-modern. And we, what if we could try to structure our society so that 
we bring in the best of all three of these. If in order to do that, we actually have to go like meta on the concept of modernism, you know? So we, we're going to take like an abstract kind of high level view and balance across these. So that's meta modernism, or at least that's one way of defining it. Well said. And uh, how would you compare the two? How would I compare what to? Game B, a game B and meta modernism. Okay, yeah, well, so I don't think that there necessarily would be a conflict between the two, but you can see how I offered two different definitions just now for those two, and that's, uh, so they address different sides of things. You could probably say that a certain game B structure uh, could actually still be within the modern worldview. It still could be, but, but I probably a more stable and just game B would be one that's based on meta-modern principles. Right. Yeah, I guess you could say that uh, proper game B is meta-modern and uh, also being meta-modern is playing game B. So it's, you can, yeah, there's difference, but they're kind of leading to the same way. And uh, how did you get uh, involved in, in all of that? How did I get involved? So I guess um, for one thing, here in Northern California, I grew up here and I saw how there is so much technology development and it gets better every year. There's this driving force to make, you know, machines and software that is so much more intelligent and advanced year after year. And the government, though, doesn't seem to be getting better. So there's that disconnect. This is the government that a lot of people rely on for justice, for helping provide opportunities in life. And uh, that is uh, lacking and dysfunctional, you know, with uh, where's public money going and what's how are we getting involved uh, politically? Okay, so a lot of people are really not. They're disconnected from it. They think that it doesn't work or it seems to only really favor the wealthy and powerful. And a lot of times we have situations where it appears that the wealthy and powerful can use their power and wealth to, you know, just can continue to, to maximize their own power and wealth over and over again and inadvertently destroy the lives of people who are at the lower ends of society, you know? Um, so why does that happen? Why don't, why don't things get, why aren't we improving things? Okay, so I saw that disconnect. I also... You know, I was uh, interested to learn more about a lot of these things, and I came uh, to, uh, I get to know pe some people who are connected to Game B, and also people who are connected with uh, Integral, um, so which is another thing that I'm, uh, I've been involved with. You know, there's a pretty big uh, Integral community in the Bay Area. I am not actually in the Bay Area, just kind of outside of it in Sacramento, but um, the, uh, I got to know a lot of those people, and I've been uh, involved in, that, uh, in those communities as well. Cool. And... Uh get into the like the, the dirty side of like the the bay area and like the the downtown uh, san francisco do you have any thoughts on that on like uh, how do you think that sort of stuff could be addressed by game b or meta modernism or like is it is something to leave up to the government something to leave to up to the gra grassroots or how do we solve that the sad thing is that there's pathologies inherent to hyper modernity where you know, especially in place, you know, in the, in the Silicon Valley, you have uh, this uh, people with so much wealth and they, they want to keep uh, doing more and more investments into more technology. Um, and then there, there ends up being like a winner take all economy. 
you have that. You have major billionaires who are wanting to do more and more technology development. A lot of times it's led by people who are uh, sociopaths, you know. They're pretty much, uh, they, they don't really have the ability to have the empathy for people who are, you know, uh, struggling to get by. They just, they just want to keep using their power to, to do whatever they want, you know, and drive the technology forward. And then a lot of times the people who are working for them, uh, they'll just do whatever, you know, is they're hired to do. And then so, okay, so that, that you have that within that's a lot of times that, that kind of runs the show within the, the, uh, the Bay Area. But then also you have the city councils and the people who are elected officials who are in the like the, the postmodern mindset and they, they want to, uh, you know, in a, in a very misguided way, they're they're very, uh, I guess you could say woke, you know, and they want to, they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. They don't want to do anything that they think uh, is going to hurt uh, or harm the lives of people who are already, you know, struggling. Like, you know, there's people with addiction problems, there's people who weren't able to make it in this uh, doggy dog world and then they end up being uh, homeless. So, okay, so what we probably want to do is protect people's uh, private property. We want to protect uh, the uh, the downtown. We want to make things vibrant for uh, commerce, but we also don't want to harm the lives of the homeless. But they basically say, okay, so we're going to just let the homeless stay there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, oh, we don't want to hurt them. We don't want to move them out. So they just, like, defecate out in the middle of uh, the streets. And they uh, a lot of people, they... they uh, a lot of them break into stores and stuff. It's very dangerous downtown. And I think that the uh, shutdown, the lockdown in a lot of places, it was very misguided because you essentially made it so that the essential cultural framework that it was holding together, the uh, sociocultural, making it so that, that uh, there, there is stability, you know, that, that, was, that was really uh, in shambles after that. Okay, so then the lives of a lot of people even more desperate and there's even more uh, mental health issues and more homelessness and then now they don't know what to do with it they, there's just a lot of homeless out there and basically what they would need to do is to probably have a whole lot more public investment but not do, do so in a way that is so progressive minded because that's the people who are in charge who are elected officials in those places including san francisco they don't understand how to bring in some healthy competition or uh, work on, you know, something kind of like like a, a game B principles in order to have public money spending and programs that would improve the m mental health of these uh, people who are homeless. I mean, there's ways of doing it. But they don't know how to do it. So you have essentially uh, a class-based society, very stratified. You have very wealthy people in places like San Francisco and you have mentally ill and desperate homeless people, and they, they just live right alongside each other, and there is nothing changing anything because the, the elected officials are very uh, progressive, but uh, in a way that is very pathological. And the ones who are have so much of the money are the essentially sociopath business corporate owners, uh, and they, uh, they just want to keep uh, pumping more and more money into technology developments, including that... Uh, that doesn't provide uh, improvement of our lives. It just further addicts us to their content, you know, so it's a big mess. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was there for the first time this summer and uh, yeah, I was mind blown to see it in, I've heard stories about it, but I've like, yeah, I didn't expect it to be this bad. It's like a post-apocalypse in the city center. And I was, I didn't uh, look at where I, where I was booking the Airbnb and I, happened to book it at the wrong place and so out my window I got I had the Twitter headquarters on the left side and like the corner of like 
the worst possible street on the right side you know like just this uh, yeah seeing this uh, balance of like the the extreme wealth and extreme poverty and just living together and talking to people who live there and asking like so like what uh, what do you make of this like how, how can this be solved and they're like oh yeah i don't judge them they like that's their way of life and I'm like okay so that's what you describe now they want to hurt their feelings but it's like yeah it's a problem and then i was researching when i got home i was thinking like why don't they solve this problem and then obviously they're trying to solve it like they're throwing millions at, at this problem but i guess they're just not uh solving it in the right way yeah so uh what uh what gives you hope how do you see all this uh stuff playing out not just in terms of uh homelessness in san francisco but in general well what gives me hope is looking at local game change local development of community circles a deeper integration across uh, aspects of public life and social experiments in that regard and uh, using technology to benefit people's lives. So now there are challenges. I, I'm actually uh, kind of freaked out by a lot of where the directions that technology is going because it's like, okay, I don't even know how to keep up with the uh, AI developments. Uh, it, it's kind of scaring me, you know. But uh, there are ways in which we might be able to harness some of this to uh, try to, okay, so what is the end game in terms of the local social experiments? What are we trying to do? And how can we use technology to coordinate that, to encourage that? Uh, some of that would maybe involve some AI that would uh, essentially, you'd use these apps to, to essentially coordinate, encouraging people to come together to where they're looking at each other eye to eye and then they don't need to use the app for a little while because they're in that space. That's what gives me some hope. I think you could use apps and platforms to essentially encourage these sort of spaces where then the apps get, you know, aren't being used for a little while. And then the real magic happens of human connections and developing these aspects of our lives because otherwise we're further and further addicted to the, uh, the apps, the screens, you know, it might even get to the point where there's digital deep fakes that are constructed on the fly to show a human face and all these like vocal mannerisms and facial features that, uh, or, uh, expressions that are just constructed on the fly and the semantics of all that because there's semantics for the vocal mannerisms and tone of voice and like facial expressions like eyebrows those are there are actually semantics to for how that the emotional impact of that so someone could essentially deconstruct that and create uh, an app that would just do that on the fly and interact with you and try to you know even be the gender that you're attracted to and then like that's coming, you know? So the, I, the answer is just get off our freaking screens, although we need our screens to help us do that. I think that's what I'm trying to say, right? If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Yeah, the future is definitely bright and scary at the same time. <laughs> so uh, where would you send people who are interested in this sort of stuff? All right, yes. Well, my website is enlightenedworldview.com. 
And I'm also looking to collaborate with people. There's some of these ideas that I have that are essentially like it is an implementation of some sort of meta theory, comparing and contrasting some of these meta theories in order to in order to help myself understand what I was reading, because I think a lot of these can be put into practice somehow. And then I've been through that. I've actually been uh, involved with a uh, organization that started up recently, which is the uh, Arch Disciplinary Research Center, and that's arc.voyage. That's an actual website, by the way, arc.voyage. Um, so I've been uh, somewhat involved with, with some of that. They just started their website a few days ago. And I, I think, okay, so there's like a, a uh, capability stack for dealing with, for improving people's lives or reforming our political and economic systems that the highest level of the stack is essentially okay. Or I'm sorry, the base would be, okay, these meta theories or these social theories or how, how, how to, how to do that. Like there's like essentially the philosophy and theoretical side of that. And then there's from that certain things are going to be based are going to be built on top of that. So we're, we're, we're looking at the theory side of things and then we're looking at how do we implement that. And I, I think that's what, uh, this, uh, this new arts disciplinary research center, one of their missions is to say, okay, how can we improve society through, these meta theories, okay. Now that's that is the, actually the most abstract that you could possibly get. What they're trying to do because they are comparing unified unification meta theories to each other to see if there's some sort of a universal threads that are that are that are common to all of those theories, you know. But uh, that that actually might be the best way to go in terms of okay. So we want to look at what is how does thought work, how does communication work at the very core, and that if we can hack that. Then we can actually start to look at um, how do we uh, interact with each other? How do we live uh, in peace with each other? And how do we uh, thrive? How do we have our higher quality of life? So a lot of this comes from theory. And the most abstract theory would actually have the potential to do that. Because, you know, you're looking at different theories like, okay, critical realism of Roy Baskar compared to... Ken Wilber's integral theory compared to Greg Henrique's unified theory of knowledge. And somewhere in there, there's a way to improve our psychology and our sociology and our, our economics and po political systems. Uh, so quite a bit too, but there's a lot of work that's already underway. Mm, I love it. Yeah, I was talking to Daniel last week and he told me about it. So we, we started talking about how we could uh, get some collaboration going between ARC and uh, Metagame and... Yeah, maybe we could uh, put some of those theories to work inside Metagame. That would be awesome. And then the closing question, if you had one advice to give to Metagame, what would it be? Okay, yeah, so um, what is the theory on which your ideas are based? And what is that capability stack to do that? Part of which uh, the is the technology stack, but then there's also the idea space and the, how to talk about it, how to, how to talk to people across the sophistication spectrum. So you have different levels of, okay, who am I talking to? What is their context? And uh, how do I explain certain aspects of what I'm doing so that, that it would be understandable and engaging to them? And then, then there, there, there is a, a partnership that you can offer, you know, to, with that. 
essentially uh, th that's my that's my uh, what I'm talking about the capability stack including the technology stack including that communication spectrum and uh, do you have any resources and that sort of stuff well I, uh, I guess that's one of the things that I'm trying to do with my uh, enlightened worldview project I thought maybe we could have a well actually I mean I, I got my hands full already with with enlightened worldview but uh, Good friend of mine, his name is Lee Chazen. He has a uh, organization called Glider Cell, and uh, he might actually be able to uh, consult on that as well. But I'm definitely looking for collaborators. Uh, Lee's looking for collaborators for his for his work. And uh, anybody has uh, uh, ideas there? I mean, I can also mention some of my other uh, team members. There's uh, been working with uh, Marty Barons recently, who is um, he and I started a uh, inner development group recently. Uh, and that's part of this pilot program where the idea is that we, if we start to actually do something at a local level that's based on this uh, Montesquieu 2.0 model of the Hansi Freinach books, then maybe, you know, we would show this and prove that it's actually working. So we've, uh, for 10 years, we've had a, essentially a sense-making group that's the Sacramento Politics and Philosophy group, but we also recently did started this Sacramento Interdevelopment group that uh, is based on that. And the, the idea is that we're actually going to try to plant seeds in more cities as well based on this model. Um, and then I've also been working with uh, Daniel Johnson, who was doing a field survey of this whole liminal web in, in conjunction with the, the uh, forthcoming uh, Emerge gathering in Toronto. And uh, so those are essentially the people who I work with. Okay, that's a lot of names and uh, sounds that uh, a lot of them would also be great guests for this podcast. All right, uh, I will follow up about those names and uh, yeah, thank you very much for coming on. This was great. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. <laughs>